Nobius Nutrition is still physical distancing, and we're not mad about it. This is a one-hour food fight against diet culture and its fake science messages. Instead, we're passionate about celebrating real wellness. I'm registered dietitian Hannah McGee. And I'm neuroscience PhD student Tarek Youssef, and this is No BS Nutrition. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Tarek. How's it going? I'm still getting used to the whole video thing. (laughs) I know. Me too. It's kind of weird, but... I'm also like, I'm not sure what to wear. I was thinking the other day, I was like, should I be dressing for success Uh, on our video podcast? (laughs) I know. I mean, today, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't be bothered today. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just too tired today, but I know. It's funny. I feel like every week I look different. So for the people who are watching on YouTube, they're probably like, this girl is like shape-shifting. Has a very diverse (laughs) appearance. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. But I yeah, also... Because um, last week when we came on, you were like, your hair. And this yeah. week I'm like... This week it's very... For people who are listening, ponytail. it's very like um, going to soccer practice. Yeah. That's what I look Don't like. do you think? Yes. No, but it's like the glamour of... I think I think going to soccer practice is very glamorous. I don't know. <laughs> what soccer teams you played on? <laughs> none. <laughs> none. Zero. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I was like, should I dress for success? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. And then I found myself in this, like, ratty old t-shirt again. Yeah. Also, last time, I really, I thought I was going to earn the Nobel Peace Prize for sound engineering because I was like, oh, I figured this all out on my end. Yeah. But uh, I hadn't. But this week, it should sound much better from my end. It's a lot to learn. And um, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And the more respect I get for... People who do sound engineering. I actually have this like weird thing where I'm so like um, it really irritates me when a TV show has bad audio. Mm. You know what I mean? Especially like you go from like normal audio of regular regular TV show, like maybe they're like using a, a boom mic or like um, right. individual microphones, like lapel mics, and it sounds fine. And then the show cuts to like a confessional. Where maybe they're just using, like, the microphone on the camera or something. Right. Whenever there's that kind of dissonance, this is the weirdest pet peeve to have, I think. But I have such a pet peeve about it. Yeah. I mean, it definitely isn't something that I pick up on as much. Um, and like, <laughs> I don't think anyone when cares. When I was editing... <laughs> oh, my gosh. When I was editing last week's episode and you had texted me, like upset about the audio and you were like i'm so sorry it sounds so bad or uh, you said that you sounded really bad and then when i was editing like i didn't the only thing i noticed was like some of the background noise that you pointed out oh yeah um, yeah. that you said like you could hear thomas like come into the room at one point or something like that and like i did hear that but i couldn't hear i couldn't like pick up on a huge difference between the audio from the week before and then last week's audio wow i'm glad do you remember vampire diaries i never watched it Okay, it was like a CW show. It was, it was like, well, it was like, well, I don't know if there's like diehard fans who listen to this. <laughs> we have a huge crossover <laughs> fan base between Nobody's Nutrition and Vampire Diaries. It was basically like, um, what's that vampire, the famous one, Twilight. It was okay. like that, but it was a TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like human girl meets vampire Vampires, boy. okay, yeah. Um, and they had, I don't know if anyone from the production team was listening, but they had the worst like um lighting of anything i've ever seen in my life i literally at maybe this is more about me i get it's definitely more about me but at some points i definitely like couldn't even make out what who the character was on the screen because it was so dark i think they were trying to be moody but i was like where's the lighting budget anyway so interesting production stuff means a lot to me and i'm really like right i give huge credit to all those people who who make that stuff work because it's very difficult totally yeah i agree yeah. Well, I hope everyone is still staying staying home and staying safe um, as much as you can. Um, we're going on week, I don't even know, week six of physical and social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. The time passes by. I'm still here. Every day I'm like, is it Thursday? No. Right. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like- yeah, it's Sunday today, but it really could be any other day. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's weird to lose a routine and to gain such a stagnant one. Right. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is it, for sure. It's hard to diversify within the home. Also, like totally. I have a like 700 square foot apartment, which is like not bad. But I'm sure it's nice to like have a backyard and nice for like people oh, who have like five bedroom yeah. houses and you know what I mean. Yeah, that's so funny. Pat and I were talking yesterday and we've we've chatted a few times about how <laughs> if we were still in our Halifax apartment, which was 575 square feet, like we probably mm-hmm. would have been a lot more stir crazy and kind of wanting to yeah. kill each other <laughs> because we didn't have any, <laughs> sure. you know, as much space. We really had like a tiny bedroom and that was basically it but then pat was saying now like next time we look for another apartment or look for a house or something like people are going to be thinking about well what if i have to be quarantined (laughs) you know what i mean like that's going to be something in people's minds when apartment hunting or like maybe um or house hunting or whatever is like well if there's ever another pandemic and i have to stay inside for two months like Am I yeah. going to want to be in here or is this enough space or whatever? Yeah. We don't have a balcony. I'm almost thinking of like, just like going to sit in the car with the window rolled down. I've seen people doing that. Like they just, oh, really? or even just like, <laughs> yeah, driving to, I don't know, like a parking lot or somewhere that's, you know, there's no one around and just like sitting with the windows down, <laughs> just enjoying some fresh air. I guess it's definitely something to consider. Anyway, regardless I know we both consider ourselves very lucky. Yes, absolutely. I know, like, um, our town's been doing a really good job. Like, there's a lot of really good charities that are helping homeless people, but apparently the conditions in New York are atrocious for homelessness right now. Like, obviously, a huge thing is that people don't have access to food. um, Yeah. Which, again, is, like, such a privilege to even be talking about nutrition right now. Absolutely. So I'm very, very lucky that we get to have these conversations. Yes, I agree. Maybe if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and bang down that gavel. Court is in session. I would love to ask you what your BS of the week is. All right, let's do it. So my BS of the week is actually, it was sent in by a listener, a friend of the pod, um, and an Instagram follower. Now... I actually I actually d- couldn't tell you maybe you can but I couldn't tell you who the human behind the account is <laughs> but the the, okay. the account that what? wrote in and requested we cover this topic for BS for the week <laughs> and I found this pretty funny is <laughs> getting worried. copy the beagle great <laughs> okay is it a question about animal nutrition no I, <laughs> As little as I know about human nutrition, so I definitely don't owns, know. So whoever owns or whoever runs the the dog <laughs> Instagram account, copy the beagle. I'm answering your BS of the week question today. I'm. I hope this isn't rude. I'm gonna look up the account just so I can get a feel. No, of that's fine. It's literally a beagle. While you're it's a dog, and I like okay. tried to trace it back to a human, and I could not. So maybe if you're listening, copy's owner, you can write in and tell us who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. But anyways, um, they copy or copy's owner has requested via Instagram that we talk about alkaline water um, oh. as a BS of the week segment. Do you know I wrote I wrote a a blog post about that for I, I probably shouldn't no even be talking about it. But regardless, <laughs> suffice to say, this is a great topic. I'm really happy you're bringing it up. Yeah. So basically, alkaline water is a water that is essentially more alkaline than traditional normal water standard water um water traditionally has a ph level i believe it's seven right yeah yeah and it's ph neutral yeah it's neutral and alkaline water is obviously more basic or more alkaline than our traditional drinking water and the claims around that are that by consuming or drinking things that are more alkaline you can change the ph of your body and i mean (laughs) reverse you know if you eat too many acidic foods you can reverse that acidity that you know or or, um you know neutralize any acidity in your blood or in your body which i mean i hope that just from the sounds of this (laughs) that sounds dangerous (laughs) like total bs and definitely dangerous um so i mean basically alkaline water kind of runs in line with the alkaline diet which i can't believe we haven't even talked about this i yet. know the alkaline diet was 
pretty popular. I don't think it's really that popular now, but I feel like maybe five, six, seven years ago it was a big thing. What mm. do you think? Do you do you agree? I actually on that didn't know timeline? there was a whole diet about it, but I'm oh, yeah. definitely aware of the water. Right. Okay. So basically, alkaline water has minerals added to it to make it more alkaline. So things like calcium, magnesium, potassium, um, really nothing special. And it's just, you know, there's nothing magical about calcium, magnesium, and potassium. Um, obviously, they're things that we need in our diet for various reasons, but. Alkalinity. That we're getting from other sources. <laughs> Alkalinity is not one of the things that we need it for. Yeah. So, I guess the the premise behind the alkaline diet or or alkaline water is that being in an acidic state is bad for some reason. There, you know, there's um, claims that by maintaining a more alkaline pH in the body, we can protect against certain diseases like heart disease and cancer and. People are so creative. People are it. so creative and inflammation. <laughs> I, I and wish like, I had that kind of mindset. <laughs> oh, right? That you could just like randomly so you, can write, you can write anything something. down. You can it's write so anything true. down. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to keep things short, this is totally false. There, It's impossible. You cannot change the pH of your body through anything you eat or drink. So anyone well, that's telling like, you otherwise, yeah. like, it's BS. It's BS. I mean, you're much more capable of speaking to this than I am. But even I, uh, someone who doesn't have a dietetics degree, even I know our stomach literally has buffers in it, which are basically chemicals yep. that are going to maintain the proper pH that your body needs exactly. all the time. Yep. So regardless of whatever pH substance you're ingesting, it's going to get canceled out because those buffers are there to keep you in the healthy range of pH. Totally. And and, and yeah, and not just our stomachs, but um, things like our kidneys and, and our liver, all of those things play a role as well. Just like how, just like detoxing, you know, our bodies can do it themselves. It's the same with maintaining the pH that we're meant to maintain. We don't need external beverages or foods to do it for us. So just like a juice cleanse doesn't detox you like people claim and our bodies do it on our own alkaline water isn't going to change the ph in your body or in your blood yeah it can't even if it could that claim has no like has no leg to stand on and you wouldn't be cured of whatever but it literally can't even do that totally like it's a false claim based on like it can't even do the job that it's pretending to do well and and what kind of blows my mind is that like i said our body's ph is pretty tightly controlled by our kidneys and and like you said that natural buffer system that we have through our lungs and and if these things aren't working like you need to be hospitalized like yeah. you you yeah. your life is at risk your health is at a serious risk if those if those organs aren't working so to assume or like premium to, price water isn't going yeah, to be your, the first thing that, you turn like, to this fancy yeah. eight dollar bottle of water is going to do something that like doctors and like treatments in hospital would be able to do for you is just it makes no sense whatsoever so yeah the ph of your food or the you know the acidity and or the alkalinity of the food or things that you drink is meaningless in terms of like its effects on your health I think that's a great point because not only do I want to drive, I just got like tingles actually because what you said is like such a good point. Um, the thing I'd love to drive home through all of these messages that we that we keep go, coming back to about supplementation and about um, you know these kinds of like BS things like alkaline water is like not only does the product not work, but you. 99% of the time don't need the effect that it's purporting to have. No, you, you don't do, need to change the need, pH in your body. Yeah, don't, don't change the pH of your body. The, the, the claims that like maintaining or having a certain pH <clears throat> prevents certain things like heart disease or aging or whatever it is, there's nothing to back that up. Those claims were, I don't yeah. know where they came Again, from. Again, if it was that easy to be $8 on a shelf, like... yeah. We wouldn't have the kinds of diseases that we have right. now. You know what and I mean? <laughs> even um, like I've worked as a clinical dietitian, and and in my clinical training, and in my work as well, I've worked in ICUs, and the the pH level of the body, or you know, the acidity or alkalinity of the blood, is something that you monitor in critically ill patients. And like mm. I said, if those things are off, or the the things that regulate those things are off, like 
you're in serious trouble and you yeah. need like serious intensive care not alkaline water <laughs> right yeah i mean the wild thing is like there's so many of these waters there's lithium waters smart waters there's yeah. one called neuro water is it really um yeah it's really tragic actually. that is tragic <laughs> oh my god yeah. so I know. and yeah none of them actually do anything no other exactly. than charge you lots of money for water. Totally. Yeah. They empty your wallet and give you yeah. no health benefits. So, yeah. I mean, that was kind of a short and sweet BS of the week, but I really... I love that. I loved it. Thank you, Copy the Beagle, for writing in yeah. about that and asking us to touch on it. Because it's just crazy to me that... I don't know <laughs> Thank that... you, Copy the Beagle. Sorry, that's so funny. <laughs> Seriously, I thought it was so funny that it was like a dog account that had sent I in want more requests. animal accounts to send in requests. I know. Amazing. Just a beagle boy living <laughs> in a dog's world. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If you lo- if you like the podcast, go ahead and follow Copy the Beagle on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've got some great pictures. I know. It's a cute dog. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, Copy. <laughs> friend of the pod friend of the pod really great question i think it's so wild like um maybe i've brought this up before what is a podcast other than restringing the same narrative so it's right right but um (laughs) um it's it's very surprising to me to hear of these products sometimes that we bring up on the podcast most more often than not they're products that maybe you have to go out and search for um, a little bit harder in order to acquire. You might have to order them online, for example. Mm-hmm. But things like alkaline water have actually become so mainstream that I'm sure you or I could go to the local grocery store and find an alkaline oh, water yeah, or totally. find a lithium water or a neuro water. Yeah. Um, so that 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 really bothers me because um, it's it's so easy to get. Oh, I know. It's so easy to get. Yeah. Usually I'm like, oh, at least this like thing, like we can talk about it, we can debunk it, and right. like, people aren't going to run into it at the grocery store. But this one, you actually It's might. something, yeah, for sure. Well, I hope you guys <clears throat> enjoyed that BS of the week. It, I love it. It got me riled up, so that counts to me as a successful BS of the week. Check. Check. Now we're going to jump into our main topic for this week, which is a bit of a controversial topic. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and we'll talk a little bit about that, but it's MSG. And we're going to talk about, you know, the misconceptions around MSG or monosodium glutamate, um, which I'll, I think a lot of people know MSG, again, something we'll talk about further, but as mm-hmm. something that's associated with Asian food or Asian restaurant food. Yeah. <laughs> it's It even has uh, conjured... This is like something that's in the literature too, and people might know the term or the phrase but it's even created the idea of uh, chinese restaurant syndrome Syndrome. yeah which is crazy yeah and um actually i've run into a situation before where uh i was at like uh it wasn't a poly it was like a dinner or like a lunch or something and we had it catered by a really great chinese restaurant and um one person who came to the lunch was like oh i can't eat msg i'm allergic and I I just, like, very quickly said something like, oh, like, don't worry about it. Like, that's actually, like, there's a, there's more nuance to it than that. Like, that's not, I, I don't right. think, you're probably not allergic. Right. I was like, oh, you should be fine. Um, those rumors aren't true or whatever. Yeah. And they got very defensive and very upset at me. So, oh, gosh. Um, yeah, Tarek, if you tell anyone that they're not allergic to something <laughs> when they're convinced that they are, <laughs> yikes. Yeah, so uh, I learned my lesson there in trying to, like... Uh, convert people on the spot right um, right yeah. hopefully that person tunes in <laughs> yeah i hope they're listening um yeah so msg like like we were saying yeah there's a lot of controversy around it a lot of <sighs> it's like milk allergy vibes you know what i yeah, mean Yeah, a lot of people it's a, something people say without really like they don't talk to a dietitian they don't yeah. talk to a doctor yeah something people associate with a lot of negative health outcomes or like that it's bad for you without actually really knowing anything about it and i'll be honest i'm guilty i was guilty of that for a long time like as a as a kid i remember i can specifically remember like driving 
around with my parents and seeing like Chinese restaurants with like signs in their windows that said no MSG and then being like mom like what's MSG like and then my mom would be like she didn't really know but she was like I don't know but it's bad for you like because that was just like here in the news or something that was just kind of like the common belief is that MSG is bad for you and so much so that even if like Chinese restaurant owners know that it's not and it's something that they've been using for years or whatever yeah um because there's this huge misconception around it they have to eliminate it from their cooking in order to attract customers like it's it's do you know what I mean they it's have really to, sad. I mean it's obviously created a bunch of um like food and culture related uh, racism mm-hmm. the people are people have been in the past and continue to who hold these misconceptions yeah. about MSG continue to be prejudiced or discriminatory yeah. towards Chinese people like saying kind of derogatory things about Chinese food like oh right. that makes me sick like it's terrible whatever yeah it's like the, associating <laughs> it with lower quality and um, yeah. and and yeah I agree it's it's gr- gross just like it is gross it actually makes me it makes me really sad right now because um obviously there's been uh discrimination and racism targeted towards asian people specifically chinese people because of the coronavirus yeah and i i so obviously there's been some talk about supporting local chinese totally businesses local asian businesses in order to like combat any lack of uh customers that they've been getting because of maybe an uptick in in um, racism because of misconceptions about mm-hmm. coronavirus. And I went to very safely and like from a distance pick up some Chinese food takeout. This yeah. restaurant owner had actually very smartly, did I tell you the story already? I don't think so. I don't think so. Had very smartly um, pushed all of the tables in the restaurant forward to the front of the restaurant and kind of created a barrier. So then oh. they would just like put the food on the the table and then right. you pick it up and i just paid with tap so yeah like there was really really smart and it was really sad uh the restaurant owner had printed out a bunch of oh you did tell uh, me this yeah stuff saying like tr- trying to combat some misconceptions about coronavirus and chinese people and like saying like you know they're not, obviously not harbingers of the virus like yeah. they're not spreading it and they they feel you know, like they're being discriminated against and they just want everybody, you know, they just want to get along with the people in their neighborhood. And yeah, I was really saddened because like, this must be a really tough time for a lot of people. I know some, I've heard some stories of friends of mine and who are of Asian descent and who have been discriminated against really openly recently, which is really yeah. terrible. So like to have a culture that's being so maligned right now and then like it makes me really sad that people also give like the food a bad rap as well without understanding where misconceptions are coming from. Yeah. So hopefully today we do, hopefully like we get through to some people and like break, debunk some myths about MSG. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so too. Maybe we should just... Was that too rambly? No, not at all. I just feel like there's a lot of emotion associated with this. Especially right now. I'd like to bring out some truth to the light. I agree. Yeah. So maybe we'll just do a little introduction about what MSG is is and just kind of give people a bit of a background and then we'll dive into yeah kind of the misconceptions around it and research behind it and yeah so basically msg like i said is monosodium glutamate so it's a sodium salt of the amino acid glutamate um so last week we gave a little um amino acid science lesson so uh, just a reminder Mm -hmm. amino acids are like the building blocks that make up proteins um so if you think about monosodium glutamate it's essentially a sodium ion bound to the amino acid glutamate that's what like if you're looking at the molecule or um the chemistry behind it yeah yeah totally that's what it is um so protein just has an like another sodium sodium yeah yeah so glutamate is one of like i said the amino acids in our body it's actually one of the most abundant amino acids in our body and it's also found in various um plant and animal foods so some food sources of glutamate so not monosodium glutamate but glutamate um our corn um peas mushrooms tomatoes and certain cheeses i believe basically it can it can be extracted from these foods um when they're cooked and and used as an ingredient in things like 
soups and gravy mixes and broths and certain prepared meat products. Um, and then MSG, so monosodium glutamate, is used for similar, but like for seasoning um, foods. Yeah, it has like an yeah. umami taste. Exactly. Yeah. It. It. I think what I read is that it. It doesn't have a taste itself, but it brings out like the umami. Oh, okay taste or flavor in what it's added to i believe that's what i read um and and msg is made by fermenting starch or sugar essentially from sugar beets sugar cane or molasses um from corn mm-hmm. so that's a little background um msg is not the same thing as salt msg is made from water like i said sodium and glutamate and then salt or table salt is sodium chloride so it's a sodium ion and a chloride ion together yeah a yeah. salt is just like a chemistry term for things that have chlorides attached to them i think so it's like you can yeah, have sodium potassium salt yeah. you can have sodium salt you can have yeah yeah i think yeah a lot of times there's a bit of a misconception around the difference between sodium and salt so sodium is just like the single element right na right and then table salt is sodium and chloride i think people get that a little right. bit um confused but Anyways, that's a little bit of a background. It's used, so like I said, it's it's considered a flavor-enhancing ingredient um, mm. used to enhance the flavor of various foods, and, and it does provide or bring out, like we said, um, like a, an umami or a savory taste. Um, and that umami taste is the taste of glutamate. That's really right. what And glutamate the- is, um, aside from like being used all over the body to construct proteins, it also acts as a, it's like a really natural substance in our body. It acts as a neurotransmitter yeah. in the central nervous system, for example. It even acts as a neurotransmitter in the retina. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's found in the body already. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's naturally occurring um, in the body and in various foods. It's not, it's not, it's some, not a foreign substance. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. So I didn't realize this, but when I was doing my reading, um, the umami taste receptor wasn't actually discovered until like 2002. It's pretty recent, eh? Yeah. That's yeah. kind of crazy to me, but yeah, so it was established or umami was established as the fifth basic taste in 2002. So it's really, yeah, it's pretty new. Um, I mean, modern neuroscience is like like a lot has happened in a very short amount of time right like with technological advancements all of a sudden we had like a bunch of things happen in the 19th century and then like from there just catapulted on so things have been pretty recent in terms of like understanding things like our sensory systems right very cool yeah i didn't realize that so just like we have um taste receptors for like sweet things or salty things or sour things we have taste receptors for that umami flavor on our tongues which is cool. And if people don't have a, like a visual for what MSG really looks like, I mean, you can buy MSG like comes in a powder form, which yeah. is, I believe, most of the time what restaurants use. Some people even have MSG in their homes and they kind of sprinkle it on top of their food yeah. as you would table salt or pepper. Yeah, I think that that's not really common knowledge that MSG is like readily available, something you can purchase and add to your yeah. own foods. I think, yeah, again, people think it's this like scary thing that's added yeah, I don't know to what, like people have like a visual in their mind of it like being like a spray or like a gloopy right. like slime it's just yeah. like powdered salt like any other yeah salt. and it's actually added to a lot of packaged foods as salt, well yeah yeah um so it's added to you know a lot of things like chips or canned soups and certain salad dressings so you know like we said a lot of people associate it strictly with asian cuisine but it is in a lot of like packaged foods that you might buy at the grocery store too it's not and i bet some people who think they don't like it actually probably like it because you very likely have had msg before oh, because totally. it's so prevalent yeah not and just you just didn't asian realize cuisine. that it was in what you were eating yeah, yeah exactly right. i agree so yeah, I think, well, do you think that was a good little introduction? Yeah, that was yeah. a great introduction. Okay. I love that. Okay. I have a few little papers here. I don't know if you want yeah. me to get into them first. Or yeah. You wanna get well, I mean, stuff? your papers are around whether or not it's safe, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, I think that's kind of what we were going to dive into next. So yeah, let's okay, talk perfect. about that. Well, I just wanted to say too, before getting into the papers, I, I've been trying to work extra hard recently to find papers that are uh, like well or highly cited in the nutrition field uh, in the nutrition literature and i'm trying to read about what people thought of the papers as well just to make oh, sure i'm bringing something useful yeah. to the table because even last time out just like from our last episode 
I was so shocked, honestly, at how how many of the papers I came across for collagen, I just didn't have a good gut feeling about right. and I didn't yeah. trust. So this time around, I tried to work extra hard to find some really good papers. So hopefully um, this is some like good, like up-to-date, still being cited, still being discussed cool. uh, knowledge about okay. MSG. So actually... Um, so there's this one paper called, it was called Consensus Meeting Monosodium Glutamate and Update. So I'll okay. include all the links as usual. Um, and then there was a little bit of drama about this paper. Mm. So actually science drama is, I think, the best kind of drama because <laughs> people get heated with words. Right. And then they basically fight by kind of um, ripping each other apart by like submitting another paper right. in retaliation. And right. they kind of like tattle on them to the journal editor. And they're like, it. well... I have a letter to the editor about this paper that you published. Right. So I hope if you can entertain me, I'm going to walk you through through some drama about MSG. Let's hear it. <clears throat> okay. So in 2007, there was a paper that was published where a bunch of scientists talked about glutamate intake. So basically, also like intake of MSG was something that they considered. Yeah. And they basically found that glutamate salt or monosodium glutamate, MSG, was generally, quote, harmless for the whole population as a food additive. So that was kind of their big conclusion. Sure. They did suggest that there needs to be more work uh, to understand maybe how high doses of MSG might um, affect people, high doses of glutamate intake, uh, specifically like whether they might pass to a fetus, for example. And of course, we're always worried about how things are going to affect yeah. in development, right? Yeah. Th- affect the body in development. Um, or maybe how glutamate that's added to our bodies as an additive like through msg might pass through to the brain through what's called the blood brain barrier i don't mm-hmm. know if we've talked about the blood brain barrier on i don't the podcast. think we have very short the blood brain barrier is just the the term for um any sort of passage between the like rest of our circulatory system our bloodstream and what gets through to the brain so in between there, there's a lot of specialized cells that um, hang around the blood vessels and kind of keep like bad stuff out and mm-hmm. let good stuff in. Yep. That's really like I'm I'm dumbing it down for myself too because I'm not an expert in blood brain barrier, obviously. Um, but um, so there's some question about whether or not a brain injury, like maybe let's say a concussion or a stroke or something like that, might decrease the integrity of the blood brain barrier and maybe might let. Um, sure. Substances in that maybe shouldn't be in there, or maybe shouldn't be in there in excess. So, okay. you know, the the consensus from the paper was that you know we need to understand more how added glutamate might affect right. the brain through an injured blood brain barrier. So they even mentioned how something interesting that I didn't think about mentioned that how in cases of um, decreased appetite, like elderly people or sick people food can be made palatable by so- with something like an additive like MSG. So yeah. like it can even get people who aren't eating to eat, which is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. So then, here's where the drama starts. A year later, Dr. Hermann Usen from the University of Kiel, Germany, went absolutely off, dragged them <laughs> through the mud, wrote a, literally like it, wrote a letter to the editor of the journal of the original paper. It was total drama. The first line is, Sir, with irritation, I took notice of the consensus meeting paper, monosodium glutamate, and update. I just like, oh I can't even imagine. It was so cool reading this. Okay, so obviously I'll include all that below. Very fun. Yeah. <clears throat> Very fun reading it. So this letter to the editor in retaliation to the consensus meeting um, paper um, mentioned that there were a couple typos in the original paper uh, that this author was mad about, which rightly so, that you know, we want to be as accurate as possible sure. when we're disseminating uh, scientific knowledge. <clears throat> and um, they were actually typos that were pretty important because um, they were related to the maximum safe intake that the consensus meeting had reached. So okay. they, they were pretty important typos. And in this letter to the editor, the author cites a bunch of studies, including their own work, which looked into MSG or glutamate dose effects on the body. So this author's own study that they cited in this letter to the editor was looking at high MSG diet effect on rats. So okay. this was one thing that they took. You know, they were this author was kind of saying, like, there shouldn't be a consensus on MSG because actually 
well, like the original paper said, we need to know more about how high doses affect the body. Right. So, and I guess they thought that high doses affect the body so strongly that we actually can't reach a consensus yet. Okay. So this study, one of the studies that was referenced in the letter to the editor in retaliation to the original one, saw that there were changes in hormone levels, um, specifically saw lower than normal growth hormone levels, which, you know, it's a pretty important thing to to worry about if our natural hormone levels are changing. Of course, this was in rats. Mm-hmm, Lower mm-hmm. the normal growth hormone levels with high MSG diet. So this their definition of a high MSG diet was 5 grams of MSG per day. So for an average rat, rats at adulthood are around like 300 grams. Um, <laughs> I know that from personal experience. <laughs> Is uh, So for around a... An adult rat, 5 grams of MSG is about 1.6% of their body weight. So I decided to do some math, and I'm fully expecting my Nobel Peace Prize to come in the mail because I really didn't want to do math (laughs) at this point in time when I was doing it, but I decided to do some math. 1.6% of body weight is around 3.2 pounds of MSG for a 200-pound person. Okay. Just as comparison, Whoa. maybe yeah. I shouldn't be drawing. It's not a perfect comparison for no, me to no. make, like to convert dosages between a rat and a human. Of course, maybe effects would happen differently. Yeah, for sure. But suffice to say, that high MSG diet dose was really, really high really and high. much higher than an individual would consume. Right? Totally. And another study that was cited in this paper in retaliation saw that for four grams per kilogram of a dose in a rat. Um, there were changed glutamate levels in some part of the brain. So presumably, the glutamate that was ingested through the digestive system passed through the blood-brain barrier, which is something that was an original concern of some of the the scientists, and elevated the glutamate levels in parts of the brain. So of course, um, I mean, my understanding of that from my studies of sensory systems that use glutamate is that this could be driving... um, neurotransmitter receptors that could be affecting, you know, function of the brain in various different ways. Mm -hmm. Glutamate is used in various regions of the brain for various functions. So you'd have altered, um, you know, brain function, something to definitely take caution of. Right. But this four grams per kilogram dose in a rat, again, is around 360 grams for a 200-pound person. So less than the the dosage before but that's still it's around one pound per person that's a uh, lot if that person was 200 pounds yeah that's still a lot of msg to die to ingest yeah. so i think anyway so so then this caused me to wonder okay what is an average amount of msg that somebody would consume right okay so so far we found that there's some evidence in studies from rats that msg at dosages which reach up to and over one pound per person might be harmful okay so how much msg are we ingesting maybe in a meal from a restaurant so usually it's about a half a teaspoon of msg seasoning per pound of food that's going to end up serving around four to six people oh is my what God. i saw from looking stuff up from recipes yeah. and so on so we're ingesting way 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 way, less. way way less than the than the recommended um servings so what happened was after all of this drama after this letter to the editor after saying Sir, with irritation, I took notice of the consensus meeting paper. The original consensus meeting paper was revised. So the original scientists actually went back, revised their original paper, uh, and made a bunch of corrections, including getting rid of some of those typos, those errors. And their final statement, which is, I guess, up to date as of then, this was a while ago, like over 10 years ago, but still is one of the most cited papers on this topic, still very prevalent in the literature. Um, So their final decision was it's safe up to six grams per kilogram in humans. So that's just over one pound for a 200 pound person, which is still an unrealistically high dose for consumption. If you think about like how much (laughs) salt, like obviously it's not the same as MSG, but um, if you think about how much salt you add to things, which, you know, or any spice or seasoning, it's like... To, exactly to like say a like a soup you might add 
half a teaspoon, a teaspoon of salt that yeah. serves like eight people or whatever it is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so it's not, we're not, no one out here is consuming almost a pound of MSG. Like, I think no, that I, I don't think anything, you could. No, and I think anything, <laughs> obviously we know that like more than the recommendations for sodium are... 1500 yeah like the (laughs) maximum is like 2300 uh, milligrams a day so that's like nowhere near like a pound so you know right we know that eating a lot of it a lot of anything is bad so obviously eating pounds of msg probably isn't going to result in great health outcomes just like anything else so I, I just very quickly, if you don't mind, I feel like I talked for too long, but just because I thought that paper was kind of um, a very general overview, I did find, and it was quite a long paper, but I have it summarized really short. Yeah, sure. If you don't mind me going through no, it. No, no, no. I, I wanted to talk about um, a paper um, called, Does Monosodium Glutamate Really Cause Headache? A Systematic Review of Human mm, That's one of the claims, is that it causes headaches. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the biggest one, is that monosodium right. MSG causes headaches. So. From reading this paper, it was really interesting. Um, so, I, I, so I will say maybe the original paper that I just talked about, the consensus paper that said it was safe up to six grams per kilogram in humans, did say like all these side effects that people are listing: headache, allergy, etc. Like they kind of debunked that, and which is where their number of six grams per kilogram of safety came in. Okay. Um, but then I wanted to find something that was more specifically targeting one of the side effects. So I picked this headache paper because it seemed really well cited in the literature. People yeah. were really talking about it. So an interesting thing that the paper, the authors mentioned in the paper is that it's kind of a tough thing to study blindly. So if you think about it, MSG has a flavor. So at certain high doses, the per, the like the the study participant you is maybe going to be able to pick up on yeah. the, the flavor. So you might expect an effect and therefore um, uh, unconsciously bias yourself in declaring that you received a bad effect when maybe you didn't have one. Um, I don't know if we've talked about that before, sorry, but like a lot of times, even with like digestive issues, like if you think that, you, you know, you don't digest something well or you think that gluten gives you cramps or like a stomach ache, you almost like convince yourself into feeling unwell when you it's eat like something. the placebo effect in the yeah, opposite exactly. way exactly right? yeah 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 i feel and like the mind is obviously very powerful before. yeah exactly but we've talked about placebo but you're, you're right we haven't really talked about it going in the other direction where like you convince yourself to feel worse yeah when you often maybe you don't mean to but it's because we have these like preconceived notions about how yeah and like anxieties and like yeah exactly totally that's a huge part of it yeah there's also the other thing of like at high doses where we're finally going to be reaching an effect so the science so far has told us that at small doses there's no effect, no harmful effect of yeah. MSG. So if we're going to push the limits and really test for the effects of a high dose, you're going to be experiencing like a really concentrated and strong, unpleasant taste. Yeah, that's going to cause some upset stomach sure. likely, and yeah. that's going to maybe affect your opinion of whether right. or not you have a headache. Yeah. Even worse is that just being able to taste the difference between an MSG solution or a control solution, like if it's just in water, like. Like I mentioned before, that goes without saying. You might convince yourself of a negative outcome right. where there wasn't one. So anyway, the, um, it's really interesting. So virtually all of the studies found no effect of MSG on headache, the, the studies that were systematically reviewed in this paper. Okay. Or even on GI distress. So even more than that, they cite that MSG ingestion with... Um, Food, rather than on its own, mm-hmm. has very little impact on circulating levels of glutamate in the bloodstream. Wow. Um, so they even, some of the studies went even further to detect whether or not glutamate is like biochemically more available right. uh, in the bloodstream after ingesting MSG as an additive. And it seems right. that with food, it's likely being digested or broken down further. Like it's not overwhelming your system with glutamate that wasn't already you know, naturally occurring from your diet and from whatever processes. Yeah. Um, It seems like if there ever was a negative effect, like GI unpleasantness or a reported headache, even though 
all of those reports are really hard to believe. Yeah. It was at unreasonably high doses and when MSG was ingested without food, whether it was in a capsule or dissolved right. in water right. in some of these studies. And uh, obviously you can probably speak to how like with di- digestion, it's likely easier you're going to like break things down and they're not going to enter the bloodstream. In the yeah. Same way. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't enter the bloodstream as quickly. So, you know, that might have, right. Oh, that's a huge part of well, it. Right? And like, Time, that's like, yeah. if you think about sugar, like, or carbohydrates, like if you just eat like a bunch of candy at once compared to the same amount of carbohydrates or sugar, like paired with fat and protein or whatever, like a meal, those things are going to get absorbed into your bloodstream a lot slower and or right. the carbohydrates would and that would absolutely affect how you felt you know if you you wouldn't you totally. might not necessarily get that huge like sugar rush or feel a you know a big crash an hour later because it it didn't all rush into your bloodstream at once so there's you know same thing with um yeah taking like a very concentrated dose of msg or of salt or something like that yeah i think whether you took it by itself or in a meal or with food would absolutely kind of make a difference. I'll just really quickly finally add, um, from what I saw, there is no evidence to suggest that there are true allergies. Um, If there, I read something like if there was such a thing, like it's such a small percentage of people and it's probably not a true MSG allergy. Yeah, I read that as well. It might be like some people, well, I think what I've read is that some people may have like sensitivity to glutamate containing Excess foods for yeah. whatever underlying right but that's yeah. just like some people have sensitivities to certain food you know what i mean it's not it's not msg is bad you right. know it's right okay some people might be sensitive just like some people might be sensitive to something else and food yeah food sensitivities are really they're not I mean, we've There's covered no, how like, complex it can be with great the, definition of sensitivities. the dairy allergies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not something that's defined or there's not like a lot of parameters around what constitutes a sensitivity as, as I mean, it's really hard to compared measure. to allergies. Yeah, exactly. So because the symptoms are so like diverse and yeah. they vary yeah. in intensity. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I read. I Some mean, that's my whole thing. Sorry, I feel like I talked rare. for too long. No, no, that's I. It was great. Um, Thank you. I, one thing that I maybe we should have, I guess, talked about before, but I mean, where the myth around MSG came from, oh, like yeah. that's kind of one thing I had written down that I forgot to mention. Um, mm. But it's kind of weird how this oh, entire misconception came about. But did you read anything about it? No, that okay. I know. I'm really curious. So basically. In 1968, um, a a doctor wrote a letter to the editor um, in the New England Journal of Medicine. And this letter described the author's personal account of symptoms that he experienced um, after eating at a Chinese restaurant. So Mm. some of the symptoms that he experienced, he said, were weakness, uh, palpitations and numbness and and in the letter he mentioned that the symptoms may have been due to a number of ingredients in the Chinese food that he ate so it could have been sodium it could have been alcohol from the cooking wine um, or it could have been MSG so that's kind of that's where it came from like just this like wow. potential for MSG to have caused those symptoms um, and then it yeah. just catapulted from and there. it catapulted from there and um, I read in a blog post written by another dietitian that um, 1968, and I obviously, I didn't really realize this, but 1968 was also a time where a lot of things relating to Asian culture were considered like possibly unclean or exotic, and um, which is obviously, again, like we kind of talked about at the start, you know, it's kind of a gross untrue belief um that you know we know better now um but i think at the time that kind of fueled um like that msg the those beliefs around msg and and the idea that it was bad for you or unclean or whatever for some reason yeah wow i mean asian discrimination in the west was like 
I mean, obviously it hasn't stopped, but I just something I think of is um, like the portrayals of Yellowface in the movie industry. Like even in Breakfast with Tiffany, which like, did have you ever watched that movie? No. It's it's like, I mean, what a classic film. Wait, right? Like so many at, people. Is it Breakfast at Tiffany's? Oh, whoops! Is it? Oh, it's at not <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast with Tiffany. <laughs> the main character tiffany (laughs) um breakfast at tiffany's the the landlord character is uh like um a north american actor in yellow face in the film like i didn't know you're right i guess that that it makes sense now that you say it like you know 50 odd years ago like that sentiment was very strong and um maybe it, it it can be now as well obviously but it was much more mainstream maybe yeah um so it kind of makes sense how that can be picked, that kind of like racism can be picked up and like whatever proliferated so quickly and then become yeah. this huge phenomena that to the extent that restaurants are advertising that they're not using like a benign food additive, like you were saying, yeah. like putting up the sign in the window saying no MSG. Yeah, just like sad that, you know, knowing that it's they've it's been something like i said they've been using for years they have to put up this sign that's or and not use it in their cooking because there's this Actually, racist really, like misconception around yeah it. yeah really great uh, there was a recent bon appetit video with claire saffitz and she used msg in one of the recipes oh, really? and was like it's fine like everything no that's true like it was great to see something like that yeah in one of those videos like i mean they get millions of views on their videos so a lot of people would have seen that Wow. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad that um, I didn't see it, but that's good. Um, So let me just see here. I'm just kind of going through the rest of my notes to see if there's anything else I wanted to say. Um, Yeah, think of what copy might want to hear. Copy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I guess, I I mean, I looked at Health Canada and their recommendations, and they basically, you know, said, in general, the use of MSG is not a health hazard to consumers. You know, the safety's Mm. been reviewed, and um, that's, you know they see it as something that's safe to consume. Um, They did mention that some individuals, you know, may exhibit that sensitivity reaction that people claim. um, And they just kind of list off some symptoms, which are, you know, similar to what we've talked about, um, like headache, nausea. um, But these things aren't, you know, they're not, they've never seen to be like super serious or um, they're temporary. So, and also, it's all been correlative stuff. No There's reputable no, study, as exactly, far as I've seen, no, has made a really distinct link between the Right. Two. No concrete evidence. It's basically people consuming it and saying... Anecdotal oh, stuff. Oh, I don't feel yeah. well. Yeah. Which could be... you. Maybe you ate too much, or like maybe... Yeah. <laughs> There's so many different things that could play a role. Um, right. So, yeah. And just to kind of drive home, a lot of people believe, like we said, that um, MSG1, like solely comes from asian cuisine which is not true it's in a lot of different things and you've probably even if you've point. never had chinese food like you've probably consumed msg before and you were probably fine um but also a lot of people think that msg is the only source of glutamates which again we've covered and that's not true it's found in a lot of foods so again if you were like under the belief that you couldn't have MSG in Chinese food because you're sensitive to the glutamates. Well, like if you've eaten tomatoes or like Parmesan cheese or whatever, like you've also consumed glutamates. And if you've been alive this whole time, you've had glutamate in your body. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, there's just so much misconception. And, and again, it's similar to, like you said, the kind of the dairy sensitivity thing, or if you haven't listened to our episode on um, milk allergies and lactose intolerance, you should listen. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of times people just get convinced that, I don't know, they he- they find out that something there's something in something and they're allergic to that. Um, right. But then they don't realize that there's like a ton of other foods they've been consuming that <laughs> yeah. contain this substance as well. That's, that's a good point. Um, so, oh yeah. And then one other thing that I read, this is from Health Canada, the Federation of American Societies of Experimental Biology in its report on adverse reactions to MSG concluded that there is no difference in the physiological response to synthesized and natural glutamates. So again, whether it's like MSG that's been created from corn or whatever, like they've synthesized it themselves or it was naturally occurring glutamates in 
tomatoes or what what have you, there's no difference in the physiological It response. works the same way in your yeah, body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So whether you eat it from That's tomatoes or corn or from Chinese food takeout or like Doritos, it would affect you the same way. So just right. keep that in mind if you've been convinced, I guess, that Chinese food makes you sick because of the MSGs or something like that. There's even songs. Like, there's pop songs. What? You, what's that? I, I mean, maybe we won't say it, but, like, that idea is so prevalent that Chinese food makes people ill. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's some... I'm sure people can say this maybe about some of their towns as well. Maybe not everybody, but I know locally some of the Chinese restaurants here like have had bad raps in the past that really? I've really enjoyed and have had really positive experiences with. Yeah. And I always feel like I have to like tell the people I'm with like you shouldn't be saying that. Like, have you really tried their food or like yeah? What did you eat when you were there? How much did you eat? Like, mm-hmm. why were you sick the next day? Was it also because you were drinking copious amounts at the same time? Yeah, totally. You know I mean? Could be. There's so many, exactly, variables. There's always variables that people don't account yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. One last thing. So one thing I wanted to mention is that, again, with all of these misconceptions, um, MSG is actually quite a bit lower in sodium than table salt. So some people do use it as a way to add flavor with less sodium. So, you know, if you're someone that needs to, um, Interesting. for some reason, you know, pay closer attention to your sodium intake, um, it does have two thirds less sodium than table salt. So that's something that's that some hot, people use it That's for. a hot nutrition tip. Yeah. Yeah. I want to add a sound effect, like bow, bow, bow. <laughs> yeah. So you can, yeah, you can add MSG to things to add flavor or bring out flavors uh, with less sodium, which I think is kind of important for some people. If you're watching your blood sodium levels, wow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It is huge. Thank I know. you, Anna. I love that. That's great. I definitely think that's something people don't know. Like, and even I, for, for a long time, that, but yeah. again, with like the, I don't know, all the misconceptions and just growing up, I knew nothing about MSG. Um, mm. And like I said, like driving in the car one day with my parents and just getting the impression from them when I asked them what MSG was, like that it was something that was bad and should be limited. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time, I don't know where I got this idea, but I associate maybe because it has sodium in the name, but I associated MSG with like really high Salt, salt content yeah and it's actually two-thirds less sodium than table salt so who knew wow like yeah. per weight yeah interesting yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense yeah wow. so i love that yeah me too that was that was fun to talk about i hope that i hope that you guys learned something listening i mean we definitely learned when we looked into this and discussed it together it you feels really good to kind of um, clear up misconceptions and yeah totally yeah. there's so many open questions out there about uh, like for me especially about the topics we cover that like doing the research behind it and then getting to talk to you yeah. really like satisfies that urge that curiosity of like I things agree. that I just didn't yeah. know yeah. that's MSG maybe Tarek why don't you tell me let's jump into what's been tasty this week for so you I, mine is a little bit cheesy but I had a couple things but my Tasty this week is honestly you and the podcast because regardless of how many things have been so up in the air lately, like I have had this like one thing to look forward to and one thing to like keep me, you know, even if I don't feel productive, I'm like, oh, you know, I should work on the podcast. I should do some research and figure this out. And it's always like really like laid back, relaxed research. So without getting too teary eyed, I will say I really appreciate you and, um, yeah, this is my tasty oh, of the week. I love that. I really appreciate you too. And I, I agree. It's definitely, this is something that I look forward to every week um, for many reasons. But obviously, you know, a big one is just getting to sit down and talk with you for an totally. hour uninterrupted and just like yeah, getting yeah. to chat and catch <laughs> up. To, Thomas, you have to go in the other room. Yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> See, I was like, Pat, stay upstairs. Um, <laughs> it's nice to have for sure. Um, and also, I mean, I obviously love talking about nutrition and mm-hmm. um and sharing nutrition knowledge with people and accurate nutrition <laughs> information so um i agree this is something i really really appreciate and i hope definitely, this is an episode that people will share yeah please share it with i, think I don't know maybe someone like, you've had a conversation about msg with and you know who a maybe lot of people has hold some, this belief yeah exactly so share this one yeah let people know um what the truth about msg is 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe can I ask you what's been tasty for you? Of course. Yeah, so mine is actually, funny enough, mine is not a food-related one this week either. (laughs) Um, What's been tasty to me this week is actually since we did our episode about the quarantine 15 and canceling it, um, I've seen like a lot of other people like speaking out about it and just, um, you know, talking about why it's harmful to, to use Our language impact. like that. No, I don't. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying kidding. that. I, I don't <laughs> no, think no, no, I know you're not. <laughs> people who listen to the podcast are not speaking out of it. I think it's just, I'm, I'm just happy to see that. I mean, obviously there's so much more work to do, but that a lot of people are mm-hmm. starting to realize the, the harms of diet culture and, and language, uh, you know, even joking about gaining weight during quarantine and how that can be harmful and what that perpetuates. And, totally. um, so yeah, I saw a lot of people, not necessarily just dietitians, but a lot of dietitians, but also just people that I follow on social media, sharing posts and talking about it. And yeah, it was really impressive to me because I guess for a long time, not a long time, I mean, I've really only kind of learned about um, the non-diet side of nutrition and, and health and wellness in the last few years. But even when I started learning about it, I felt very much like a an outcast um in just even in the nutrition world like kind of talking about Mm. intuitive eating and and why certain diet messages are harmful and now it it, i don't know it seems like a lot more people are getting on board and that's great it's really great to see yeah so that's what's been tasty for me this week is just seeing all the other people posting about you know why you shouldn't be worried about gaining weight right now and and how there are obviously more important things to worry about and you know if you know like we posted on instagram if you know we come out of this a few pounds heavier we should consider ourselves the lucky ones yeah totally yeah absolutely people are starving people are People are starving. starving. People are dying. People, yeah. I, I don't want. Now I'm like putting a dark. Um, no, spin it's on okay. This, it's but. like the reality. We can just like feel empowered to like, yeah. you know, keep our priorities in check. Exactly. And understand that we shouldn't be feeding into fat phobia. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> no, please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't. Subscribe yeah. to the podcast on whatever you listen to. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and please share this. Um, yeah, share this yeah. episode. Share the podcast with your friends. Share it with someone who you think might need to hear it. Um, if you have a family member who works in the food industry and would absolutely love to sponsor the living life out of us, uh, <laughs> we'd welcome that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, and don't forget to leave us um, a rating and review. I don't know if you said that, but if you didn't, I'm, Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Please yeah. do. And send in some suggestions. Thanks, copy. Okay, thanks, copy. Shout out to you. <laughs> Good dog. Good dog, copy. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, yeah. Bye, Roxanne. Bye, Roxanne. <laughs>